Welcome into the newest edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I'm Ryan Schumpert, joined as always by our assistant sports editor here at the UT Daily Beacon and baseball beat writer Josh Lane. Josh, Tennessee goes on the road against Alabama and plays far from its best weekend of baseball, but finds a way to get this series win against the Crimson Tide after dropping its first Friday night game of the year. What was your biggest takeaway from Tennessee's series win? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. The biggest takeaway is that they they somehow managed to find a series win, right? Their, their pitching wasn't as good as we've seen. Their their offense was very inconsistent at times, right? Sunday was fine, but, you know, they, they didn't hit well, especially with uh, with guys on for most of the weekend. And their fielding was pretty bad. Um, but, you know, despite all that, they still managed to go on the road and pick up an SEC win. And that's, that's really the biggest thing for me is that, you know, that those SEC wins, winning two out of three winning series, that's going to be super important, especially – you know, given the teams that they got up um, in the next couple of weeks. So just is finding a way to, you know, despite not having their best stuff, you know, to grind out two wins down there on the road. I think that, that's definitely the biggest takeaway. Yeah, no doubt. I think more than anything, it just kind of showed how far this program has come in a lot of ways. One being you saw Alabama and they're kind of in a little bit, maybe a year or two behind Tennessee in the same kind of rebuilding situation. And you saw Alabama did not have the pitching depth this weekend. Once they got Tennessee was able to get deep into the bullpen, Alabama really struggled to throw strikes, really struggled to keep Tennessee off the board. And then you saw Tennessee's bullpen kind of be the exact opposite. Now they had some struggles on the weekend, but they had enough guys to consistently be good. And then you look at how Tennessee's been the past couple of years, or excuse me, before Tony Vitello got there. You know, close games, when things started going against them, it felt like the team didn't believe it could win. They were almost looking for things to go bad and things to spiral. I mean, this team really played far from good baseball all weekend, but they kept fighting, kept finding ways to to pick up wins and, and to hang into games. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that's that's one thing that Tony Vitello has mentioned so much this year is that just this – you know, this this fight, this desire to win, this the high energy that this team has. Uh, you know, he, he always talks about how loud the bench is, how energetic they are. I mean, every, every guy on that roster wants wants to win. And, you know, they're, they're going to do everything in their power to, to, uh, that they can, you know, to pull out a win. And they, they, they love playing for Tony Vitello. Um, you know, they really, they really love everything he's doing. So they're going to try everything in their power, you know, even when they don't have their best stuff to pull out a series win. And I think, you know, that's that was huge for them this past weekend. Well, the one kind of, uh, I don't want to say weak spot is necessarily the right word, but soft spot, I guess, in Tennessee's weekend pitching staff has been their Saturday plan of kind of going with the soft throwing left-hander Will Heflin, trying to get a few innings from him and to, then just to get Tennessee into the bullpen. And I think we've talked about it a little bit on here and I've long thought that that plan looks good and it, it works as long as you're winning on Friday. But once you lose on Friday, the pressure really gets put on Will Heflin and Certainly Tennessee lost that Friday game and certainly the pressure was on Will Heflin, but boy, did he deliver really having his best start in the year, five and two thirds inning, allowing just six hits, one earned run, no walks while striking out five. Just how crucial and how crucial and how uh, surprising, I guess, was, was Will Heflin's strong performance and what was he able to do to be so effective? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was big time for Tennessee, right? You mentioned, you know, kind of the, obviously the loss on Friday, right? Chad Dallas, he did not pitch very long into the game. He got hit around. You know, Sean Hundley kind of had a bad game. Um, they had to use Kirby Cannell on Friday, too. So, you know, already they were kind of short some of their biggest players there on Saturday. And so for him to go, you know, five-plus innings, get you right there almost through the sixth inning, I mean, that that was huge for Tennessee, right? And to do it so effectively, right, just the one on run, um, you know, 
definitely one of his better starts of the year, as you mentioned. Um, I mean, he was just pounding the strike zone, and that's, I guess, you know, he's not overpowering, as you mentioned, kind of the soft-throwing lefty. So, you know, his velocity isn't going to blow blow guys away. So for him, it's just, you know, about, all about consistency, about getting the strike zone, um, not leaving pitches over the middle. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where I guess he struggled some in the past. But, you know, Saturday we saw him, he's just throwing strikes. He's commanding his uh, pitches, his off-speed, um, just really challenging guys. And I think that's what made him so successful. Yeah, certainly. And I think what made it even more important is how we go, like you look at Friday's game, that Tennessee didn't only lose, Chad Dallas didn't make it very far into the game, just in the, in the fourth, didn't make it out of the fourth inning. So Tennessee had to use a lot of its bullpen. So you, but once again, you needed Will Heflin to get you into the middle of the game, get you good innings. And then you also look at it, he got absolutely no run support. When he was in the game, Tennessee didn't score a run. So the pressure was on him to keep it real low scoring. We've seen, you know, Vitello always talks about a successful start is when they, the pitcher gives him a chance to win. Past two weeks, he's had, you know, by that standard, Heflin's had successful starts, but he's had run support to help him. He didn't get that on Saturday, but was still able to be very effective. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, going forward, if if Will, if Will Heflin can continue like this, right, Tennessee's not getting Jackson Leak back anytime soon. I mean, he's gone for the year. Um, you know, it's going to be Will Heflin in this last spot. And I think he's going to, you know, he's been, he's had some success. So I think that Vitell will keep using him there, but, for him to just, you know, kind of carry the load in that way, right? You mentioned they're not scoring runs. The other pitching was bad. So just to have him that's, you know, I don't, I like you said, I don't think weak spot's the best term, but, you know, just not a, not the, maybe the most talented as Chad Dallas or Blade Tidwell definitely, but to have him just kind of carry the load on that day when, you know, it, it could have easily been Tennessee goes down there and loses that second game Saturday and then there's the series gone. So for him to kind of step up, that was, that was huge for Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt. And, while that left-hander had really good success on the weekend, we need to talk about one that has continued to struggle, and that is bullpen pitcher, really closer, Redmond Walsh, who for two, three years has been one of Tennessee's best bullpen pitchers and just really reliable, but now three straight weekends in SEC series, he has blown leads this week against Alabama, just got one out while giving up one earned run and another run that he he allowed to, or he inherited, came in to score, so Struggles for him. If you're Tennessee, if you're Tony Vitello, how how are you handling Redmond Walsh going forward? Yeah, I'm, it's it's a tough situation because over his career he's been he's been so good for Tennessee out of that closing role, and uh, you know he's struggling. That there's no doubt about it. So I I don't see how they keep how they can keep pitching him out of that in that closing spot. You know, especially in the SEC, they got some super tough matchups coming up. Um, I mean, you can't have your closer going out there struggling and then blowing blowing leads. So, I don't know. I guess Kirby Cannell has really stepped up. So maybe maybe he gets some of the some of the the grunt work there in in, in later innings. Um, but I guess you you still got to keep pitching Redmond. So you know maybe maybe earlier in games maybe maybe the first guy out of the bullpen some nights. But it's 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 super difficult of a call because he's been so good for them. But you know the struggles. But and as that he's been doing lately, but you just can't have that coming out of your close in the ninth inning. So I, I don't see how Tony Vitello can keep him there in that ninth inning role anymore. Yeah, I completely agree with really everything you said. I don't see how you keep him in that late inning situation, but I also wouldn't take him out of the weekend bullpen spots right now because you just, Tennessee needs, you're going to need him going down the stretch in the season. You're going to need him in the regional. You're going to need him in a super regional if they were to make it that far. So, and he's proven, you know, that he's a good pitcher and, Vitello has proven that 
we've seen it this year with guys like Ferguson and Lipsius and Evan Russell, veteran players who have had success. He's going to let them play through some mistakes. Now, I think he, that's why you'll see him stay in a, a prominent role on the weekend, but I don't think you can have him in that closer spot. And I think that you mentioned that that's where Kirby Canell's emergence has just been so huge for Tennessee because you've really had that one-two punch out of the bullpen the past few years of Redmond Walsh and Sean Hundley, one lefty, one right-hander. It's been really, really good. And that's kind of become Cannell and, Cannell and Hundley this year. And you saw that Cannell through the most innings of any Tennessee pitcher this weekend, three in the Friday game while Tennessee was trailing, giving up one earned run. And then three innings on Sunday's game, giving up one earned run and really probably could have gotten to the end of the game if he got much help from his defense. Two bad errors really cost Tennessee in the eighth and the ninth inning. So it's going to be interesting. I Tennessee needs him to be good. So I think you'll see them kind of be patient with him because I think no matter his struggles, he, Tennessee envisions him having a major role in the bullpen going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you hit it right there. You can't take him out of the bullpen, right? Because, you know, Tennessee's had some good, some, you know, some solid efforts, but as a whole, bullpen's kind of weak with who Vitello goes to on the weekends, right? You know, Camden Sewell, um, you know, uh, I guess Connor Housley pitched some innings, and then Hunley, Cannell, and, and Walsh, and that's really been the majority of the guys that have seen time um, out of the bullpen, and so, you you know, that's not, that's not a lot, and so you gotta have, you gotta have Walsh out there, and, you know, he's, he's got to turn it around. He's, he's been such a big piece for this Tennessee team. Um, but yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta still get in the innings, even if it's not, not, not as a closing role, cause he's just too big of a piece for this team. Yeah. And that's what really makes it interesting is Tennessee has played such a tight knit bullpen, really reusing guys multiple times. And if you're going to take, even if you're just going to lower Walsh's role, I think you're almost going to have to add another pitcher in there to throw an inning, whether that's Elijah Pleasance, Jake Fitzgibbons, Connor Housley, like you said, Jason Rackers was coming back from injury. He's a guy that realistically you would think could see a bigger role. He's a guy that Tennessee was really high on before his injury. So it, it will certainly be interesting to see how Tennessee handles that. And then a little bit more uh, interesting stuff in the field. Tennessee's first, I guess, seven conference games. They started the exact same nine guys. And then we saw a little bit of change this weekend. One of that being because Liam Spence, Tennessee's starting shortstop, is dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury. So he served as a designated hitter role, and Logan Steenstra was the starting shortstop in his place on Saturday and Sunday. And Steenstra really made the most of his opportunity, going three for eight with three extra base hits and a walk, and it was his triple in Saturday night's game that finally sparked Tennessee's offense in the seventh inning. How do you think Tennessee handles Steenstra? Does, he, does his bat keep him in the lineup? Um. Yeah, I think it probably does going forward, at least, you know, until Spence is maybe back to full health. I think you got to keep Steenstra there short. And I know he made like three errors over the weekend. So that's kind of tough for Tennessee. That's already been struggling defensively on the year. But, you know, I guess Pete Durkay was a DH for a while and he's kind of kind of had his struggles, been inconsistent. And so just to get that that spark that Steenstra provided, I mean, that was huge. He one of the better weekends for, for of any Vols player because you know just so inconsistent all weekend offensively. So you know to have him there, uh, that that was big for them. And of course, Liam Spence has been so good all year. Uh, probably that been Tennessee's top hitter. So I guess you know you DH Spence until he's back to full health, and then maybe switch Steenstra there. I you know, but I think you got to keep playing Logan Steenstra there because you know he he proved he's got a good weekend right and limited appearance of the limited starts this season he's done pretty well um as a whole so 
I know it's it's just good to see uh you know one of the younger players you know that's going to be a big big part of Tennessee's future um kind of step up and have success in this role. Yeah, no doubt, and I think it's really an interesting situation because Max Ferguson second base has really struggled with his bat so far. So you wonder, do they get find a way to get him in the start instead of Ferguson? I kind of lean towards no on that because if they were to do that, I think they'd have to move Spence to second and Steenstra to short, which we saw Steenstra have some issues fielding this weekend. And this is a Tennessee program. This is a Tennessee team that prides itself on throwing strikes and playing really good defense behind them. And when Liam Spence is at short and Max Ferguson's at second, that's a really good defensive middle infield. And I, I would be skeptical of seeing Tennessee change that and mix with that. But I think the designated hitter spots, the one where you'll really see him him possibly earn some starts because Pete Darke has been solid, but certainly not great. And the way Steenstra was able, I mean, hard contact consistently all weekend, all of his hits, extra base hits. So it, it, he's earned the opportunity. He's flashed sometimes earlier in the non-conference play. So he certainly has earned, earned chances. And like we said, it, he sparked Tennessee's offense a couple times this weekend. Yeah, and, and that – quite frankly, was a spark that they did not have from from basically anybody all weekend, especially their Saturday. You know, they were tied at four forever. And so, you know, getting that, I guess it, it's almost like you got to have a new guy, someone that's not been playing, that's not been kind of stuck in the, in the grind. Um, you maybe to provide that spark sometimes. So I guess uh, that, that might be something that that uh, Tennessee and Coach Fattel is looking out of Steenstra from the time being. Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit at the start of SEC play. A manageable first three series for Tennessee. They needed to pick up wins. Did just an, an excellent job of that. Go seven and two through the first three weekends. Just a game out of first place. Game behind Vanderbilt in the Southeastern Conference. One weak spot for Tennessee over those weeks has been leaving runners on base. Poor his hitting at times with runners in scoring position, especially in the Alabama and Georgia series. Tennessee left 30 men on base this weekend. How crucial is that for Tennessee to improve as they go into two tough series with Florida and Vanderbilt the next two weeks? Yeah, that's that's going to be one of the top priorities, if not the top priority, because with those two teams, right, pitching is going to be at a premium, right? Run scoring is going to be at a premium. Any any run you can get is going to be huge for Tennessee, right? Obviously, Vanderbilt, they got Jack Leiter, they got Rocker, right? Florida, they were the preseason, you know, number one favorites for a reason. And so, you know, they're going to they're gonna hold you out from scoring runs. So anytime you can get a guy on, especially if you can get a guy into running or into scoring position, um, that's that's going to be big time. And they're going to have to capitalize on that. Right. You mentioned 30 guys that they left on base uh, over this last weekend. That's not going to fly against those uh, Florida and Vanderbilt. So that's I mean, that's going to be huge. And I guess kind of going back to Steenstra, maybe guys like that that can provide a spark. Um, you're hoping. Liam Spence, Jake Rucker can keep having success, but you're going to have to have other guys step up too. Some of these guys, Pavoloni, Ferguson, um, Lipsius, that haven't been haven't been nearly where they're where they've shown in the past. So um, definitely, definitely scoring runs. That's going to be and when you guys have guys on and not leaving them there, that's going to be one of the top concerns for Tennessee in this next couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt. And Tennessee loaded the bases nine times this weekend and, and they were able to get some runs out of them but a lot of those times especially in the Sunday game they were getting bases loaded with nobody out and really had chances to blow the game open early and they they miss those opportunities they maybe get a run in RBI walk or a sack fly but not a lot of big hits with runners in scoring position and you know I mentioned earlier Alabama's bullpen was a little bit weaker so Tennessee was able to put consistent pressure on them and tally up enough runs to get wins that's not going to be the case against Florida and Vanderbilt and a prime example of that was 
this weekend in the Vanderbilt LSU series, a game uh, Friday night when Jack Leiter was pitching. First inning, gave up bases loaded with nobody out. LSU didn't take advantage, didn't get a run in, lost the game. I think they got one run in the game, got killed. I don't know what the final score was. I think Vanderbilt was in double digits. So you have to, against good pitchers, you absolutely have to take advantage when you get those runners in scoring position. You can't just get one run in situations where you had the bases loaded with nobody else. So it'll certainly be interesting to watch as things get revved up to another level for Tennessee's top 10 baseball team this weekend against Florida. We will have a complete preview for that series and then full coverage from Lindsey Nelson Stadium all weekend long. That will do it for this first segment of the Checkerboard Chat. We will be back in segment two talking a little bit about Tennessee's volleyball season and then a big win for the softball, excuse me, big series win for the softball team this weekend, knocking off number eight Kentucky at home at Sherry Park Elite Stadium. Be right back. Welcome back to segment two of the Checkerboard Chat. We're going to talk a little bit of Tennessee volleyball. I'm joined now by our volleyball beat writer, Ethan Stone, as Tennessee was left out of the NCAA tournament yesterday on Selection Sunday. Any, any real surprise there? I know the Vols were kind of on the bubble going in. What, what were your thoughts after seeing Tennessee uh, miss just miss out? Yeah, so as you said, um, kind of right on the bubble, as on the bubble as you can be, really. If I'm honest with you, it didn't surprise me too much. Um, I'll talk about it in a little bit. But there's a, a few things they, they didn't quite take advantage of along the way. Arkansas was another team that didn't make the tournament. Um, very similar resumes to Tennessee. They um, they were actually probably just in front of Tennessee, fourth in the SEC. They didn't make it either. So when when their name wasn't called, it kind of made me think Tennessee wasn't going to get the uh, get the nod either. Yeah, obviously a, a long season. The Vols go twelve and eight. Split those two games with Arkansas back last month would have been big if they could have picked both those up, but. Looking back on things, where do you think Tennessee maybe had some missed opportunities or, or really chances to submit its resume just a little bit stronger? Yeah, so kind of keeping on the topic um, topic of Arkansas, in uh, early March, they had two road games. One, um, they had beat Arkansas, the first one, and then, like you said, they split and they lost um, – one to three to Arkansas. And then the next week, um, it kind of, the, the bad momentum kind of kept up with them and they lost to Alabama, who's a team that they definitely should have beat um, kind of lower tier in the SEC. So I think those two losses, especially, they kind of made the resume a little weaker than it was, than it could have been at the end. You know, those are two teams that Tennessee should be beating um, to make the tournament. So, you know, they ended the season 12 and eight could have been 14 and six with those two wins against, especially another bubble team like Arkansas. So that just kind of, I feel like that's the thing that really put, put it over the edge for the, the people selecting this is, you know, Tennessee isn't even beating those teams. And uh, I feel like that's where they kind of missed their opportunity. Recapping the season a little bit, Tennessee go, went four and four in the fall season was really struggled out the gates. They ended strong with, sweeping uh, two games against the bad Auburn team before going eight and four in the spring. I know you weren't covering the team in the fall, but from what you've kind of deciphered and, and been able to figure out, where do you think this team kind of grew the most in the spring season? I'd say defensively, especially. Um, the blocks just seemed to come more easily. They were really fighting with teams, not just from Feltz and the Hafey on the offensive end. Um, they were kind of hanging with teams on the defensive end as well. And a big part of that was um, – was Madison Bryant's move to libero, I think, really kind of gave the Lady Vols an extra gear. 
how important was was Lily Phelps' emergence this season and this spring, and, and how big will that be going forward for Tennessee's program? Yes, yeah, so Phelps especially had um, an impact on the fall season. I know that much. Like you said, I wasn't covering the fall season, but from what I could piece together, she was pretty much most of the Lady Vols offense. In the, um, in the second half of the season, the spring, she kind of, I'm not sure if you've heard the, heard the saying that when star players are playing at their best, it opens up possibilities for other players around them. So kind of with all the attention on her, people like Morgan Fingal and people like Jasmine Brooks were able to kind of get better behind her success. Yeah, certainly yeah. That, that typically is a, a sign of a, a good player and a successful team. And you, minute, you mentioned Madison Bryan a minute ago. I want, want to circle back around on her. That libero position was a huge question mark for this team coming into the spring. Just how good, you know, obviously it's disappointing they weren't able to make the NCAA tournament, but how good is kind of getting that squared up and, and feeling confident about such an important role going into next season? Yeah, so um, like you said, and kind of like I said earlier, Bryant really kind of turned it around, especially on the defensive end. She leads the SEC actually in digs per set. Um, so like she's the one really keeping the ball alive, keeping keeping the possessions going so that, you know, UT could score more points and be able to eventually pull out the W. So I, I don't know, I feel like she's a really underrated part of the team, um, especially considering she's obviously going to be coming back next year. There's a lot to build off for that, definitely. Going kind of a little more broad look at thing. We're now three years into the Eve Rackham at Watt era and obviously a, a different season for Tennessee this year, only playing SEC games and span out to across the fall in the spring. Just where, where do you see Tennessee's program at kind of compared to when she took over and, and where do things stand as she heads into her fourth season next fall? Yeah, so it, it really is unfortunate. This year kind of worked out the way it did because the Lady Vols really did have an excellent year. I mean, 12 and eight, um, you know, in, in this pandemic year, that doesn't sound as great as it is, but they were losing to really good teams. They lost to Florida and Kentucky or two top five teams. But in a normal year, the Lady Vols would have made the tournament for sure. I mean, there's there's 64 teams in a normal year and they had to move it down to 48 just to kind of mitigate, you know, COVID-19 and all that. But while Coach Ragan probably wouldn't agree, there is such a thing as a moral victory in this case, I believe. Um, this is still one of the better seasons the Lady Vols have had in the past few years, and there are no seniors on the roster, so they're just going to get better as time progresses. Yeah, certainly. The, the 12 and 8 doesn't blow anyone away, but when it's 12 and 8 just against SEC competition, that's certainly good. And then you go back and look at how their season started. They started slow, just starting 2 and 4, and, you know, it, you usually – start slow, you have room to kind of grow in non-conference play against some maybe weaker competition and figure things out. So it should certainly be interesting going into Rackham Watts' fourth season as the Lady Vols have a lot of talent back and should have a very good team, very solid team that will be expected to return to the NCAA tournament. We will change gears here going into segment three. Ethan's been going over and helping Andrew Peters on the Tennessee softball beat starting this weekend. And it was a big weekend for the Lady Vols softball team. They had started a little slow. They had a, started a little slow in SEC play. They'd had a weekend off the past weekend during the Tennessee Invitational. And then they come back home against a really good Kentucky team ranked in the top 10 and took two out of three. Just how, how important was that? And what were your takeaways from the two, or excuse me, from the, the series win? Yeah. So um, talking with Coach Weekly, um, 
the other day after after Tennessee's win against Kentucky. First SEC series win of the season, by the way. They've had a very front-loaded schedule playing teams like you know Alabama and LSU, two of the top teams in the SEC. But it's important for them because it adds momentum, kind of like the, the weekly said earlier, baseball is a game of momentum. So when they're winning those games, it's just going to get better, kind of progress as the season goes along. With this one, you know, they'll have more confidence going into Mississippi State next week. And I think it'll just compound after that. Yeah, it was certainly a disappointing start to SEC play with the series loss at home to LSU and then series loss at Alabama, especially a couple of those games that weren't too competitive. But like you said, those are two of the best teams in the league. Alabama is consistently one of the best programs in the country. So I think it was really important for Tennessee to pick up wins in those series because, like you said, it's front-loaded. Just kind of survived the start of the season. And then really a huge, huge series series win for Tennessee this weekend over Kentucky. How important do you think that was to get that win kind of moving forward as they get into SEC play, kind of get, get their feet under them a little bit because it kind of seemed like they were reeling at the start of SEC play? Oh, yeah, it did. I mean, if you're just watching the uh, the standings, I guess, you know, Tennessee's a top 20 team in the country. They're four and five in the SEC. You know, sometimes those things don't really add up when you when you just kind of look at it from the outside in. But Kentucky is one of the best offenses in the league. So to beat them and, you know, that that's that's got to show that Tennessee's getting something together, truly, that that they're get to the point where they can really compete with the rest of the SEC. Um and they're just going to get better, like I said, with this Kentucky one, especially, um, you know, momentum's just going to keep compounding on top of itself. You got Mississippi State and South Carolina coming up to easier, lower level SEC squads that um, Tennessee will look to take advantage of. Ashley Rogers, I want to touch on her real quick. Great weekend on the mound. She pitched in both the Friday and Sunday game as Tennessee got six to one and six to two wins in both those games while they lost the Saturday game in between 13 to two. Just how big, how important was she this weekend, and how effective has she been for Tennessee? Yeah, so uh, Coach Ralph Weekly actually called her one of the best pitchers he's seen in quite a while. And, uh, you know, haven't been watching softball too much, but it was pretty dominant, to, to say the least, what she was doing to Kentucky. They couldn't get anything going at all. You know, she had 23 strikeouts in those two games. Um, I think just five hits total. And, you know the people that were hitting for Kentucky for Kentucky was like their best players, like Kayla Kowalik and, you know, those type of people, the ones that are really, you know, at that higher level, but yeah, dominant is the word. If if you're looking for one, there was, there was just nothing Kentucky could do about her, uh, her performance. Yeah. Yeah. Very effective. And I think that from Ralph weekly, pretty telling words is he's, is the the Tennessee pitching coach. And you've seen over the past few years, I think he's had a bit of a rocky relationship with a couple of Tennessee's pitchers. So, uh, the the strong words for Rodgers he doesn't just throw that around to to anyone so I think that that shows a lot and certainly she will have a major role on this team going forward you mentioned it a second ago things start to get a little more manageable this weekend when they head to Mississippi State for a three-game series the Bulldogs off to an 0-9 start they've been swept in all three of their SEC series how important is it for Tennessee to rack up some wins and start getting uh back to the 500 range or even above 500 range in SEC play yeah, like you said, um, just for the people on the outside looking in that see that four and five record right now, you know, this is exactly when the padding needs to start, I guess, for for those for those people, you know, I mean, Mississippi State last in the SEC, 
like you said, 0 and 9 so far. They have won three in a row. I know that. So, you know, it's something Tennessee obviously has to look out for. You you don't want to take anything for granted, but you've got that. And then next week you got South Carolina, who's second to last in the SEC. And then I believe following that, there's Georgia, who's another one of those kind of middling SEC opponents. So this is the time for Tennessee to really show, you know, what they're made of. They got the big win at Kentucky, but they have to keep it going. Yeah, it's certainly in the SEC for softball and baseball, how good the competition is. It's you go on the road, you're always just looking to get two out of three. But with Mississippi State struggles, it's hard not to get a little greedy if you're the Vols and Lady Vols and want a sweep this weekend. But we will see. We will have complete coverage of that road series at utdailybeacon.com. That is going to do it for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat. Thank you for joining us. Have a good rest of your week, everybody.